What if the way you've been telling your life story reveals the secret to what is holding you back? Stories play an integral part in how we see not only ourselves, but the whole world. Stories are more than just an important part of communication. They also reveal hidden aspects of our inner talk, which can either support us or end up holding us back from the very things we want most in life without us even realizing it. Join author, mindset coach, and award-winning singer-songwriter Carrie Rowan on her show, Look for the Good, every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. when she shares nuggets of wisdom from her internationally best-selling book, Tell a New Story, Five Simple Steps to Release Your Negative Stories and Bring Joy to Your Life. Carrie's powerful stories and compelling guests will empower you to change how you look at your own life while giving you some powerful tools and tips you can use every day to help you feel better and move yourself closer to the life you've been longing to live. Welcome. I'm Carrie Rowan, host of Look for the Good on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Listen online on your mobile devices, in your car, or ask Alexa to play Dream Vision 7 Radio. To learn more and for a full schedule, go to DreamVision7Radio.com and get our apps. Dream Vision 7 Radio Network is the media partner for Omega Institute. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. And today's show is sponsored by Mary McManus. Mary is the guest today on the show. I'm so excited to have her. She's a critically acclaimed author of Feel to Heal, an anthology of poems to heal your life. Her trilogy of transformation that chronicles her journey to health and well-being in the wake of paralytic polio and childhood trauma. And most recently, Hope is a Garden, poems and essays from the 2020 pandemic. Learn more about Mary by visiting her website at www.marymcmanus.com. That's Mary McManus, M-C-M-A-N-U-S.com. You will love her work as much as I do. So thanks for tuning in. I'm really excited about today's show and, of course, our special guest, Mary. And we're going to talk today about stories. We're going to talk about, of course, looking for the good because that's what we always talk about here. We're going to talk a little bit more about our stories and the stories we tell, not only ourselves inside quietly, but the stories we tell others. And here's the really cool thing. We talked a little bit about that. As you know, I'm a mindset coach, so I love everything mindset. I love helping my clients find a way to get out ahead of their mindset early in the morning and start each day with a fresh new mindset. And we do that by digging into the stories that we tell. Because stories are super important, right? And we've talked about how stories can affect our mindset. Have you ever noticed when you start telling a negative story how your mindset sort of starts going downhill from there, right? It sort of, you know, begets itself. A bad story, a bad day story, sort of kind of, really starts a momentum in the wrong direction, if you will. But the interesting thing about stories and mindset and how they're so connected is that your mindset also determines what stories you're pulling out. Isn't that cool? So if you're in a good mood, guess what stories you're telling? Guess what stories you're reaching for deep inside? You can't wait to share those empowering, inspiring stories that you know is going to pump somebody else up. And the same thing happens on the reverse, right? When we're in a bad mood or woke up on the wrong side of the bed, what are the stories that we're reaching for? 
What are we saying to ourselves inside? And then what are we saying to other people? And so the idea that not only our stories are affecting us and our mindset, what we want to talk about today is a really cool concept. It's a concept that talks about, hey, not only do our stories affect ourselves and how we feel when we tell them, but let's take a look at how our stories are affecting everybody around us. How does everybody feel after we tell that story? We might know how we feel after we tell that story once we start to get into this story work. But how is it affecting everybody else? Here's what happens. We're all storytellers, right? And stories are super powerful. But what happens is we get wrapped up in telling our own story. We're thinking about what we're going to say next. We're actually trying to recall the details of that story in the moment that we're sharing that story. So we're really not always paying attention to what's happening on the other side of the table. And we forget. We forget to realize the impact. It's an interesting concept, and it sounds so basic, doesn't it? But whenever I teach this seminar, invariably I have somebody that raises their hand or comes up to me afterwards. I had a gal that told me one time, the biggest aha and the biggest takeaway from my whole seminar was this. She never thought to herself, wow, how are my stories affecting everybody else? And that's what we're going to hone into today. We're going to actually talk about one of my favorite types of stories, which is the turnaround story, the comeback story. Everybody loves a comeback story. There isn't a movie that doesn't contain a comeback story in it. But the cool thing is we all have our own comeback story. We might not just know what it is. And that's what I love helping people find is what's your comeback story? And they're really kind of tricky because a lot of times our comeback story can look like our absolute worst story that we never want to tell anybody until we understand the power of our comeback story. And stories are powerful, right? We talked about that a little bit in a couple shows ago. We talked about why are they powerful? Well, they're powerful because our stories contain so much of who we are. They contain a lot of our subconscious thoughts that we're sharing out with other people. They contain our limiting beliefs. They also contain things that can either inspire us or disempower us. They contain details of our life, but they're not just a memory. They're really more of attraction in action, if you will, because stories put stuff out to the universe. Each story that we tell contains its own vibration, whether that's low or high on that scale of vibration because everything is vibration, right? Everything is energy, and stories are just energy. And that's what we're transmitting out to other people. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to take this power and use it for good, right? That's what we do here. We look at what's good, what's good in the story. I'd like to take my stories around, and even if it's a story that's been disempowering me, and I might not even have realized it for years, and I might pick that story up, right? And I might have to polish that story off because I want to inspire other people with my stories. I want to empower other people with my stories. Not only do I not want to drag myself down and affect my mindset by continuing to tell my negative stories, I want to positively affect other people. I want to touch other people with my stories because when I can show them how I turned around my story, We're all just a reflection of each other, aren't we? We're all just really one. So when you hear my story and how I took my worst, most terrible story and I turned it around and now it's my best comeback story, it's my turnaround story, it gives you permission to do the same. You can either, however you read my stories, you might read my book, you might hear me tell a story, 
but you reflect on your own. That's why my book, Tell a New Story, Five Simple Steps to Release Your Negative Stories and Bring Joy to Your Life, that's why I stepped out into that vulnerable place and shared some of my deepest, most personal stories. Because I know in doing that, it gives you permission to look at your own stories and say, hey, if Carrie can turn around her stories and feel better about her life after what happened to her, I can feel better too. And little sneak peek here, that's exactly what we're going to talk to Mary about. She's got some incredible, compelling stories that are going to give you goosebumps. So the turnaround story is the all-time favorite. But there's a lot of other stories that you might not even realize that you're telling all the time that are bringing you down. And maybe we haven't noticed that after we told this one story at a social gathering, the energy in the room just dropped, right? Have you ever noticed that? It's kind of an eerie feeling. But you'll start to pay attention to these stories. And the cool thing about these stories, even if they might be our worst stories, is something I call polishing our pearls. So polishing pearls just means, you know, the old thing about the lemons. I've mentioned this before. When life throws you lemons, right? When life throws you those slimy oysters, what are you supposed to do with them? They're slimy. They might even be smelly. You've got to get in there and, and weed through the muck to find the pearls in those oysters. That's what I mean about polishing our pearls, polishing those stories, polishing those things that happened to us that we wish did not happen to us. Because let me tell you, I have my own, we all have those things in our lives. We wouldn't be alive if we didn't have problems, right? It's part of living. But we can find a way, and that's what I love teaching people, is find a way for those things in your life that you wish didn't happen, those stories that, that just you can't make them right because you can't change what happens in life. But you can change your story about it. We can change our perspective about it. And that's what we do here. We try to look for the good in those stories. And Polishing Your Pearls also makes me think of my music. A lot of my music was born out of some of the great tragedies that I dealt with in my life. And if it wasn't for that ability to write about it, being a, such a cathartic experience, and all those things that happened to me, I wouldn't have half of the music that I have now. And don't they say that the greatest art is created out of the greatest pain? And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And I can't wait for you to hear some more of Mary's stories about that as well. So it's finding the gift, right? Looking for the good means finding the gift in our problems. And here's the tricky part. When we're in the middle of that problem, Sometimes it's super hard to see that, isn't it? You're like, hey, here's what's going on with me. How can I find the good in this? But it's an interesting concept, our stories, and what happens over time. Because when we're in the middle of it, sometimes it's impossible to see. And stories change as they unfold, don't they? Don't you have a story that if you told it in the beginning when the story was unfolding, it would have a horrible ending in your mind at that moment because you just could not possibly see the ending until you get there a lot of times. And that's why keeping a good mindset and always staying open to those possibilities. And as I talked about on the last episode, is asking yourself better questions about what else is possible here can open up all sorts of possibilities for you to have a better ending in that story. So that's what we talk about. That's what we're talking about is finding that gift, finding the gift in our problems. And here's the other tricky thing about stories. It's part of the intriguing thing, if you will, about stories. Stories morph over time, don't they? 
Don't you know somebody who's told the same story over and over and over again, the same stuck story, I like to call it? We all have those stuck stories. But those stories tend to morph as we morph because we're human. We change over time, and so do our stories. Our stories change based on who we're talking to, right? If it's somebody that's sort of down in the mouth all the time, we might change our stories to sort of be like a chameleon um, to this other person that we're talking to. So there's all these really cool aspects of our stories, but stories do change over time. The facts might not change, but the way we tell them and how we tell them and the mindset that we have when we tell them changes over time. And I heard this really crazy stat one time. I don't know if you're a fan of Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe, but I love his work. And he actually said, it was a study that was done, I think, by um, Psychology Today, that our stories, when we go to recount those stories and we're trying to retrieve all the little details of those stories, guess how accurate they are? This will blow you away. They're only 50% accurate. Is that crazy? So that's also how our stories morph over time. If they're only 50% accurate, why do we bother to keep telling those negative stories over and over again? Because again, we as humans, our mind is always looking for what's wrong. It's everything it does is always trying to keep us safe. And somehow if we remember all these bad things that happened to us, it's going to make us safer next time when we recognize that tiger again, right? So it's always just doing its job and creating a little bit of distance between yourself and that and being more the observer is going to help you to accept some of these stories. And here's the really cool thing that I love about this work. Once you start looking into these stories, and I'm going to give you three quick ways that you can start to catch some of your stories, some of your more negative stories that you might want to take a a look at, is once you start doing this and once you start catching those stories, you can never go back. You can never go back to telling that same stuck story, the one that you've told for the last 25 years. You can't go back to telling it the same way because once you become aware, you'll never go back to being unaware. And that's a really cool thing because in that moment, you have a choice. You have a chance to say, hey, do I want to keep telling this story to myself or do I not? And how do we know, right? How do we know if we want to keep telling that story or not? How do we know if it's one of those negative stories that's just going to bring us and everybody else down? You can ask yourself. Ask yourself the question when you tell the story. How does it make me feel? So here's three quick tips for you. If you want to start looking for those stories to help empower yourself more, get a little notebook. I tell all my clients when I first start working with them, buy yourself a cute little notebook and bring it with you everywhere because you're going to start catching those stories when they're on your lips, coming out. You start telling somebody, you're going to write it down. Ooh, there's one right there. So you're going to start writing those stories down. You're going to start capturing them, right? And then once you start realizing what those stories are, I want you to ask that question I just told you about. That's, that's tip number two. Ask yourself the question. But before that, a lot of times, I'd like you to get quiet. Just spend a few minutes in silence. And then start thinking about the story. After you've captured it and written down what it was, you might even have a list of them. Get quiet. Do one of those little meditations in my book that I have. And then ask yourself, how do I feel when I tell this story? How does it make other people feel when I tell this story? And you're just collecting data for yourself. You don't have to judge yourself. 
And that's the thing about this work is always to have self-compassion. When you start uncovering some of the stories, you may be like, oh, my God, why am I telling that story? <laughs> right? We all do that, and it's okay. Just capture the story, write it down, and then in your silence, ask yourself that question. And then lastly, I want you to take a look at that story and ask yourself, what's the lesson that I gleaned from the story? What lesson? Let's pretend I was teaching somebody else about this work, right? This is you talking to yourself about your stories. What could I teach maybe your children or somebody else that you care about, one of your extended family or a client of yours? What would be the lesson that I could teach somebody out of this story? The story about something that happened that I wish didn't happen. The story that makes me feel bad. Is there a lesson that I got out of this story? Because the deeper you go into that story, there's almost always a lesson in every single story. And that's part of the reason that we're telling it. We just don't realize it at the time. So that's the super cool thing about stories. And those are three steps you can use to help find those little negative buggers, those little stories that keep coming up and up. And here's one more thing I wanted to say about that. The stories that I really want you to go after are the really short, small, negative ones you say when something happens, when you're feeling anxious, when something bad happens or you're in a bad mood. Those ones, are a little, they're a little bit harder to catch because they come sneaking out and you say them to yourself a lot of times. Those are really important stories, so capture those as well. And I'd love to hear back from you. If you start practicing this and playing around with it, go to my website at carryrowan.com, C-A-R-R-I-E-R-O-W-A-N.com, and go to the contact page and share with me what you're finding out. I'd love to hear from you because I love doing this work with people, and I love helping people feel more empowered about their life, understand their own stories, and understand that you always have a choice. And that's the piece that's empowering. You have the choice. And in my book, I talk about the three R's of story. You've heard about the three R's, right? Reduce, reuse, recycle. And I take that same philosophy and I apply it to our stories. Why? Because it's super pertinent. Because you could have a story, let's say the three R's, reduce. That is, it's an okay story. You use it sometimes. It doesn't make you feel terrible. It's got a really good message. But you might want to reduce the amount of times that you tell it. Maybe you overtell it, or the more you tell it, the worse you feel, right? So you can have a story that you just want to reduce the amount of times you, you tell it. Or the second R, reuse, you could have a story that you want to reuse. Well, what do I mean by that? You reuse the story, meaning maybe it just needs to be restructured a little bit. Maybe it's got a great message, but there's a really negative part in it, but you want to just kind of restructure the way you tell it. It's still your story about what happened. Again, you can't change the facts and you can't change the outcome of what happened, but you can look at the lesson that you learned from your story. And that's what I mean by reusing it, reframing that story. I talk a lot about that in my book. And then lastly, recycle. How do you recycle a story? Well, that's one of those stories that you might say to yourself, I'll never tell. I have a chapter called I'll Never Tell because I tell my I'll Never Tell story in that chapter. It's a story. It's the greatest turnaround story. And I'm not going to tell you now because I don't want to wreck the, the surprise if you read the book. So it's the greatest turnaround story. And I, and I could never have known the outcome of that story. So 
instinctually, I just didn't tell the story. It just felt way too bad. It was way too painful. I was in the middle of trying to get over what happened in the story. And every time I did sneak it out and try to tell it, it just made me feel worse. So if you have one of those, that might just be an all-never-tell story. We recycle that. And remember, recycle's not garbage. But the sign for recycle is it can go in the bucket, but that's where it belongs. It belongs behind us. We don't have to drag it around with us anymore, right? So those are the three R's for your story. So as you start doing this work, I want you to remember to be kind to yourself. We're just capturing our stories. We're taking a look at them so we can find the good in those stories because I'm here to tell you most stories have a portion, have a piece of them. They have a little piece that wants to be marveled at and looked at. And it's a beautiful thing when you can find that piece of your story. And I'm here to help you. I would love to help you with that. If you're interested or you need some more resources or you want to find out where to get my book, jump on my website again at www.carryrowan.com. Get on my site. There's a lot of resources. You can contact me there. And if you're interested in personal transformation or you want to find out about how to work with me at a corporate seminar, maybe you own a company, you want me to come in and inspire your employees, I've got that too. So thank you so much for tuning in today. And I am so excited. Do not go anywhere. Because next up is my special guest, Mary, and I just cannot wait to share Mary's story with you. She has this incredible energy. She can't wait to get on the show. Her vibration is just going to blow you away. And let me tell you, when I was talking to her, we had both had goosebumps up and down our arms. So stay tuned for some goosebumps <laughs> coming right up next. Did you know that dreams offer their own healing potential? Dive deep into the mystery of sleep and dreaming with four experts in sleep medicine, lucid dreaming, Tibetan dream yoga, dream theater, and more. Mention discount code DREAM for 20% off when you register for Surfing the Dreamscape and the Mystery of Sleep at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, August 19th to the 21st. Learn more at eomega.org. Delight your kids with an enchanting journey by reading the Paper Doll Kids Children's Book by Deborah Beauvais and Janine Sullivan. There's even a catchy tune, Kids for Love Song, produced by Bob Sherwood and sung by kids just like yours. The story weaves around seven paper dolls flying around the world doing good deeds as they bring important attention to our endangered animal friends. There's even a magical ring with a universal message. Kids become interested in service projects, action through compassion, and planting seeds that nurture positive change. The Paper Doll Kids and Kids for Love Song are a production of the Kids for Love Project. Get the book now on Amazon Kindle and the song on CD Baby or iTunes. Are miracles real? Can you move from mayhem to miracles? 30 prominent authors say yes as they share their high fives and down lows of challenges, abuse, addiction, and love. Experience Hope, the magic elixir of miracles through the personal stories of New York Times bestselling authors James Redfield, Dr. Bernie Siegel, Sister Jenna, Reverend Temple Hayes, and many more. If you like bestsellers, chaos to clarity, and crappy to happy, you'll love crying and laughing through Mayhem to Miracles, Sacred Stories of Transformational Hope, available now on Amazon and in bookstores worldwide. Ever notice how your brain automatically focuses on what's wrong in your life? 
Ever wonder why you find yourself telling the same old story about yourself over and over again? Tune into this high-energy show with author and mindset coach Carrie Rowan to find out how to retrain your brain to look for the good. Every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Carrie uses powerful storytelling, easy-to-use tools, and inspiring guests to exemplify how a simple shift in perspective can bring miraculous results. Join Carrie on a journey into your own transformation that will leave you feeling inspired, empowered, and ready to find the good every day of your life. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Hello and welcome back. I'm so excited to introduce you to my special guest, Mary McManus. She's a highly sought-after motivational speaker, critically acclaimed author and poet, 2009 Boston Marathon finisher, polio and trauma survivor, has a remarkable story of resilience, healing, hope, and possibilities that I can't wait to share with you. She's celebrating 15 years of healing after the diagnosis of post-polio syndrome, a progressive neuromuscular disease, and having been told to spend the rest of her life in a wheelchair. Mary refused to take the diagnosis sitting down. Her pen became her divining rod for healing, harnessing the power of the mind-body connection through poetry. I just love that. She's embarked on a journey that took her from taking a leap of faith leaving behind her career as a VA social worker to the finish line of the 2009 Boston Marathon and many adventures as a woman transformed through the sport of running. Out of the rubble of her past, Mary dug deep to discover the treasure of who she was meant to be. Her spirit shines with a brilliant resilience as she conquered every challenge going the distance on the roads and in her life. Bravo, Mary. I am so excited to have you here today. <laughs> oh, thank you, Carrie. I feel so blessed that we connected and that I, I have this opportunity to share my story with your audience. Oh, me too, because your story needs to be shared with the whole world. It, it is so powerful, and I'm not kidding about the goosebumps. So I know that everybody else is going to have such great takeaways from our talk today, and I just, I'm just so excited that you are joining us here today. So thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. And I love, thank you. I'd love to, I'd love to open because I just think I was trying to put myself in that situation and think about what I might be saying to myself and and all the scary thoughts that would come in, and and it would be so hard to move past if somebody was to say, hey, you need to prepare for the rest of your life being in a wheelchair. I mean, tell us a little bit about that and, and, and what you were thinking to yourself and, and how you ever were able to swallow that news. It was, it was terrifying. It, I actually I, I started having physical symptoms 10 years before the actual diagnosis, so I knew something mm-hmm. was going on with me, but being the, um, the type A personality and also having grown up in um, a very dysfunctional family, I learned to deny things, and I, I ignored my body. So 
in a way, it wasn't a total shock because I, I had been on a decline, but to actually hear that you're going to end up in a wheelchair and you might need a seating tube, it was, it was overwhelming. And when you talk about difficult to swallow, I actually was having difficulty swallowing. Um, a lot of the issues from polio came back. But the interesting thing is that the, it was all the trauma that had been trapped in my body as well as a result mm. of the vulnerability from having contracted polio. And one of the things that you asked me um, as we were talking about being on the show today was, what was the story that I told myself? Mm. And Carrie, part of it was that I deserved what was happening to me. Oh, okay. There was a part of me that was filled with so much shame and blame and guilt from the trauma and my dad ended his life when I was 17 and I internalized all of that and that was my story and I worked at the VA and I had an award-winning career and one of the ways that I was trying to heal my own life was by helping others and it was incredible. I, I helped so many people and I, I literally saved lives, which was very powerful, mm -hmm. but it was also at my own peril. So when I got the diagnosis, it was a combination of terrifying, um, you know, you finally got what you deserve, Mary. Um, and then I said, wait a minute, you know, this is a wake up call. And in February of 2007, I sat down. Um, everybody was out of the house, and I started, as I had as a child, I, I had a very strong faith. I was, I was touched by grace, actually. I had an out-of-body experience when shortly after contracting paralytic polio, and I chose to come back to my body. I met my guardian angel, and I made a conscious choice to return to life, and I thought of that when this was happening to me, and I said, okay, Mary, you know there's something greater going on here. You know there's this wonderful being that you can draw from who came to you when you had paralytic polio and um, brought you up in a, a, a well bucket. Um, you know, you put it, if there's a well and you get water with a bucket, that's actually what I stepped into in my out-of-body experience, even though I was paralyzed from the neck down. And I said, Mary, remember that. You know, you, there are angels all around, and you don't know what's going to happen. So just get still. Just, and you talked about that earlier when you said mm -hmm. about get quiet. And I, I didn't even know. I just said, you know, get still. And I felt this presence come over me. And I wrote a poem. And the poem was called Running the Race, Karen. Can you imagine? Wow. I told I'm going to spend the rest <laughs> of my life in a wheelchair. I'm in a short toe-up leg brace, right? I'm using a cane. Um, I'm totally deconditioned. I actually was on a semi-soft food diet. I had difficulty breathing. I couldn't walk up the stairs in my house. They told me I had to move um, because I should move into a ranch or at my cave house. Um, and all of a sudden, this poem poured out of me. It was as though a thicket turned on in my soul. And mm -hmm. 
in one of the lines is, and in my mind's eye, I'm running a 10K race. And I'm saying, okay, that's just ridiculous. Why am I, <laughs> no, actually winning a 10K race. I said, how can I win a 10K race? I've never run a day in my life. Well, lo and behold, Carrie, that was the foreshadowing of my 2009 Boston Marathon run. And that poem opened the portal to healing. I, you know, wow. you talked about how when you're in the middle of a story, you can't imagine how it possibly, how it possibly can end any other way than what the quote-unquote reality is saying it will. Mm-hmm. But um, I started visualizing a very different outcome from what the doctors were telling me. Um, it, the philosophy is, as a polio survivor, that if you use it, you will lose it because they don't have the broadened view. You mentioned Dr. Joe Dispenza, that Dr. Joe and so many mind-body luminaries have, that the body regenerates, the body has a tremendous capacity to heal, and when you heal the mind-body-spirit, you will begin to see the outcome of that. So when I wrote my poetry, I literally felt no pain. I mean, I was in pain all the time. Um, physical and mental but when I wrote poetry I was transported to this magical place and these poems just started pouring out of me and and the team uh, at the post polio clinic said well you need to quit your job and I was like excuse me I have three years until I can retire how am I going to quit my job and I carried the health insurance at that time and I said, uh, you, I said to my team, you have to help me get to retirement age so I have my finances in order. Well, mm-hmm. um, I started writing poetry, and God bless my husband. He said, this is a no-brainer. He said, you're going to hang on for three years, and it's just going to make you sicker and sicker. And what good is it going to be? What good is it going to be to have money in the bank? And so I started writing these poems, and I, when he came home that night, it was in February of 2007, I said, I think there's life after the VA. And I said, can you make me a website? He said, yeah, what do you want to put on it? I said, I don't know, poetry. I, I don't know. And then he actually came up with the idea of starting a, a greeting card company called New World Greeting Cards, original poetry for every occasion. Um, because I love doing, um, actually when my kids were in kindergarten, I was writing um, poetry and you know doing rhymes and everything for special occasions and for their classes and the letter P um, and whatnot. And so we decided that was going to be the way to go. But like, all good humans, I hemmed and I hawed, and I had to have a second wake-up call, Carrie, and I had an abnormal mammogram. And it was like the universe was saying to me, what are you waiting for? And I had known the word, I knew about the mind-body connection through my connection with Bernie Siegel. Do you know Bernie's work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so I started, they told me that I had a a lump and I said, and I didn't do self-exams because I just, you know, I had so much going on. 
And then yeah. I, I felt it, and I said, okay, God, I, you you got to be kidding me, your universe, whatever you, you call it, greater, greater mind. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I can't have cancer and post-polio syndrome at the same time, right? That's not going to work. And I have a very strong family history of, of cancer. You talk about telling stories. I said to myself, no, my story is not going to be the story of, of every woman in my family, um, just about who's had um, mastectomies. I said, no, this wow. is not my path. So I started meditating. And for the next week, I focused all of my healing energy on resolving that lump. I went back and I said, oh, it's fine. It's gone. And, of course, they were saying we have a wonderful cancer center here. And they were going on and on. Well, what this has to do with the leap of faith is, um, long story short, it was gone. And I said, okay. Um, I'll, I'll, I have to do something. I really have to move forward with taking this leap, making changes. I came home from the mammogram, and my daughter said, You're, how much notice do you have to give? And I said, well, probably six weeks. She said, let's pick a date. The interesting thing is, wow. Jerry, she looked at the calendar, and she chose May 25th. This will give you goosebumps. That was my father's birthday. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. That's unbelievable. The the whole thing is, like, (laughs) so much in there. And the way that you were able to, you know, like, I'm sorry, that would send so many people just, you know, into the stratosphere. That is so overwhelming. On top of everything Mm -hmm. else, now you've got this lump to deal with. It's like... You know, your resilience is truly amazing and the power of your mind. And I, and I think all those things, like you're saying, all those stories that you've compiled throughout your life actually were the pieces that, that, that put it all back together. You started drawing on things that happened to you right when you were young and remembering things, all these little messages that we get throughout our lives, putting them all mm-hmm. together makes one huge message, right? Yes. Absolutely. Really powerful. We cannot wait to hear more about this. Um, So up next, don't go anywhere, anybody. Stay tuned. We've got a brief little message here. We'll be right back with the amazing Mary McManus. Explore and expand your knowledge of transmediumship and all of its forms with renowned medium Tony Stockwell. During his five-day transmediumship workshop from October 16th to 21st, Tony will share his extraordinary wealth of knowledge about the fascinating world of altered states of consciousness. Mention discount code DREAM for 20% off when you register for Transmediumship with Tony Stockwell at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org. Are you searching for a way to help create global change? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's vision is to have an eclectic group of radio hosts dedicated to educating, enlightening, and helping humankind with positive messages and tools that enhance lives using different modalities and programs. If you would like to join our team and help illuminate the universe, call Deborah at 508-226-1723 or Deborah at dreamvision7radio.com. 
The Dr. Nina Show is now on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Tuesday, 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Time. From the healing heart of Dr. Nina Sabelle Rockland comes a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating. She helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying the hidden triggers to binging and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food. As she puts it, it's not what you're eating that's the real problem. It's what's eating at you. Be sure to tune in for diet-free strategies on how to outsmart emotional eating so you can stop thinking about food and start living your best and most happy life. Ever notice how your brain automatically focuses on what's wrong in your life? Ever wonder why you find yourself telling the same old story about yourself over and over again? Tune into this high-energy show with author and mindset coach Carrie Rowan to find out how to retrain your brain to look for the good every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Carrie uses powerful storytelling, easy-to-use tools, and inspiring guests to exemplify how a simple shift in perspective can bring miraculous results. Join Carrie on a journey into your own transformation that will leave you feeling inspired, empowered, and ready to find the good every day of your life. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Hi, everyone. We're back with Mary McManus. She is telling us some amazing stories of her life. She is sharing her biggest turnaround story, which we talked about earlier. And it is so absolutely powerful. Welcome back, Mary. And we'd love to hear some more from you. What really caught my attention, oh, there were so many amazing pieces to what you just told us, <laughs> but I love how you used writing as a healing force, right? It, it, it's, it's such a yeah. powerful thing that unless you've actually done it, it, it's almost hard to describe the power of it. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, what's interesting is, is that I actually sat with pen and paper initially, I I had Mm -hmm. a pen and I had a a pad of um, legal paper, those yellow pads. Um, And something, um, along with the poetry, as I was getting ready to leave the VA, one of Mm -hmm. my friends had suggested that I visualize my life after the VA and do a 30-day fast-forward journal and to journal about what I imagined my life would be like. And so every day during my lunch hour, I set aside time to imagine my life after the VA, imagine my life being out of a leg brace, imagine my life um, as I wanted it to be. Very different from my past and very different Mm -hmm. from the future that the doctors and the I had an earth angel of a physiotherapist who um, did not subscribe to the medical model of polio. And so that Mm -hmm. was, she was an earth angel. So she was amazing. And she really encouraged me to nourish um, my creative side, talking about the healing power of poetry. So um, these poems started flowing out of me and Everywhere I went, I, I kept pen and paper by my nightstand. So if I woke mm-hmm. up in the morning, there was a poem I wrote. And there really is, as you said, unless you've done it, 
there's a force of energy that comes through that's indescribable. It, it just flows. It's that flow of energy from source that, you know, talk about looking for the good. My poem, mm. um, can I read one quick one for you? Please it's do. It's a short oh gosh, one. I would love that. Yes, I would love that. Okay. Please. So you talked about the gifts, finding the gift. So after running the race, the second poem that I wrote was called The Gift of Polio. Thank you, God, for the gift of polio that brought me so close to you. While paralyzed, I saw your face, no matter what I do. Many wonderful healers you send them to me at age five. Perseverance and triumph, life's lessons learned, but my spirit could not yet thrive. At age 53, the gift was sent to me a second time. Having time to sit and feel, to heal, I started to rhyme. The second time felt worse than the first, yet your love and wisdom I found. Out of pain and weakness and fatigue, a remarkable spirit rebound. Reliving all the trauma of special shoes and such, I discovered remarkable healers who brought a loving touch. I had no clue I had such strength and the ability to grow. No matter what the outcome, deep gratitude I show. This gift so precious, I live a new life. Gratitude flows from me. My heart and soul are filled with grace. Each day is a gift from thee. Wow, I have goosebumps on both arms. That is <laughs> really, you just touched on so many beautiful things. I, I love that, the gift and gratitude. And it's truly turning around your whole model of thinking, right? It's yeah, it's completely looking for the gift, and and you 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 hear that. You know, I talked in one of my shows about people who say cancer, for example, just like you're saying with polio, they'll say it was the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, only because mm. it allows them to turn inside and allow you to go in and realize the power that you do have, which is is, is the gift of it all, isn't it? It is. It really is. And, you know, people sometimes ask me, well, did you study poetry? Did you write poetry? You know, did you go to school for literature, blah, blah, blah? And I said, no, I was trained as a social worker. You know, I was, I did not have this, I was not tapped into this creative side. And this just, um, like, a, it was literally a, like a spigot opened in my soul, in my heart and my soul. And um, I, you know, this is from Feel the Heal, where I took the early poems. It's a compilation of the poems um, that I wrote. And one of the coolest poems, um, and just was so powerful, was that um, I had a dream that mm -hmm. I had been um, splashing in puddles, which was something I never did as a child because I was in a leg brace and then I was just trapped inside my body from all the, the violence. But mm -hmm. I had this dream that I was splashing in puddles like Dean Kelly and Dancing in the Rain. And the next thing I knew, <laughs> I, was, I was writing a poem and about writing a new refrain and about I actually, I was there. I was in the puddles. I was without my leg brace. So as even though the physical reality, Carrie, had not yet changed, mm -hmm. my mind and my spirit um, were transforming and then the body followed. Um, and so 
I was doing my outpatient rehab, um, and then I was discharged from outpatient rehab with a, the source angel of a physical therapist who said, you are not going to spend the rest of your life in a wheelchair. And she taught me how to breathe. She taught me how to connect with my core, uh, which is very mm. symbolic. And mm-hmm. um, she supported me through my transition of leaving work, which you can imagine was pretty scary. Um, it, was, it was not an easy transition because, you know, when mm-hmm. you talked about the anxiety and the fear and, um, you know, I, I had to declare bankruptcy on my mother's behalf um, when I was in my early teens. So not having, like, a buffer or support, but, but I said, I know... I live in abundance, and I, I don't know where the money is coming from, but it'll come. Mm-hmm. I can't think about that. So even though there were these physical, quote-unquote, realities, I was living in the reality that I wanted, and that was so powerful. So I left outpatient physical therapy at Spalding, and then synchronicity, I met a personal trainer, and um, all of this is in my trilogy of transformation. So if people want to dive more deeply into this whole journey, um, it's available yes. through those three mm-hmm. books. Um, but um, I met a personal trainer. And so I said, do you think you can help me get a little stronger? And she quoted Henry Ford, who said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You're so, right. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I, I love think that. I'm, I, think I will, think I can. And then in a year after I started writing poetry in February of 2008, she, I was getting stronger. I was getting ready to come out of my leg brace, and I was still feverishly writing poetry. It was just pouring out of me all gratitude, forgiveness, um, seeing my body healed, it was just this wonderful experience. And while I was working at getting my body back with this personal trainer, February 2008, she says, well, you've met your initial goals, and um, what would you like to work on next? And I was a ballerina before I contracted paralytic polio. I said, oh, I'd like to dance. I want to be free in my body. I want to come out of my leg brace. I'm, you know, going on and on. I want to diversify what I can do. I want to be able to walk outside feeling free in my body. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole theme of freedom came up. And then she gathered up her things. She was ready to leave. Carrie, her hand was on the doorknob. And I said, wait, I have one more goal. And she said, what's that? And I said, I want to run the 2009 Boston Marathon. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I, I love it. I'd love to see her reaction to that. <laughs> she was amazing. You know what she said? She said, you're going to need a pair of running shoes. Oh, wow. Talk about bringing it right to the concrete. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And because that's you know, all you need to, needed to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, she could have said, Mary, come on, you've never run a day in your life. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. She was right there with me, Carrie. And then my husband and my daughter said, well, you're not going to run this alone. And the thing is, Boston, you either have to qualify or be a charity runner. So I knew that Spalding Rehab had a charity team. And mm-hmm. we all applied. 
um, my husband and my daughter said, well, we're not going to let you do this alone. And there was a big wink, wink behind it, Carrie, which was they never thought <laughs> I was serious about this. They really didn't. And all three of us wow. embarked on the journey of a lifetime. And during the training, I kept writing poetry. And I kept visualizing. And I kept focused on getting to the starting line, and then visualizing the journey from Hopkins to Boston. And on April 20th of 2009, as I predicted in that first poem, Running the Race, even though I didn't mm-hmm. win, I did win, I certainly did win. Oh, um, you won, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We, we broke the finishes tape on that one, and I... I often say that it was the moment of redemption, Carrie. It was a real moment of redemption when I crossed that finish line. There's so much. You know, it's interesting. I just got goosebumps because you talk about, you know, the recycling and the stories. I left so much of my story out on the road, you know, all the taunting, yeah. bullying, the just so much in 26.2 miles. And then also... The fact that I was writing my new story that is here to inspire others, to let others know, well, first of all, you're not your diagnosis. Second of all, the body has a far greater capacity to heal. And, you know, even if I would have ended up in a wheelchair, and I think I mentioned this to you yesterday, that I was going to find a way to dance through life. I was going to find a way to feel the joy because, you know, there's a difference between healing and curing. And I was yeah. left with both. But even if I would have been in a wheelchair, I would have found a way to, to a, heal, mm-hmm. to feel the joy and the gratitude. But I must admit, I really like this story and the way it's... <laughs> the way it's oh, it's this is out. so powerful. And, and, the, and the, the, some of the, there's so many things that struck me, but one of the things that I think is most powerful, because I totally believe in this, is that the mind, right? And the body's always listening to the mind. And you said... This is what I was saying when you did that fast forwarding exercise that you told us about, but also when you were visualizing because the brain and the mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. So you made it real before you ever got there. And that is huge and so powerful, so powerful. I I love that takeaway. Thank you so much for sharing that. I have goosebumps everywhere now. (laughs) And I know I do everybody else. <laughs> I, I just can't thank you enough. Your story is so special. I wish we had two more 14-minute segments to continue because I have so much more to talk to you about. And maybe we'll have you back on again because I think we're going to get some great responses from people. And it's so important for people to really apply this to their own life and take what you've shared with us today and how it's impacted you, and, and find a way to bring that into their own life, the hope, you know, the visualization, and, and really the belief, that belief, your belief was unwavering, that there was always another mm-hmm. possibility. And yeah. that, to me, is huge. Um, and again, you know, Mary is the sponsor of this episode, and we couldn't be any more tickle pink with having her on here. And go and get her trilogy, the Feel the Heal, the Analogy of Poems to Heal Your Life. The whole trilogy is amazing because it chronicles her whole journey, this whole journey that she's describing to health and well-being. In the wake of everything that she's been through, you heard what she said. She was, you know, destined to be in a wheelchair and all the childhood trauma. 
and the lump that she, everything just culminating into this unbelievable healing. And hope is a garden, poems and essays from the 2020 pandemic. So if you need a little hope, turn to Mary. Go to her website at marymcmanus.com. That's Mary, M-A-R-Y, McManus, M-C-M-A-N-U-S.com. And be inspired. Be inspired on so many levels by the story she just shared with us today. And again, thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm Look for the Good. I can't wait to talk to you next month. So stay tuned and you can find out a little bit more. And thank you again, Mary. Bless you. Thank you so much, Carrie. Bless you as well. Thanks for tuning in to Look for the Good with your host, Carrie Rowan, best-selling author and mindset coach. Join us every Monday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. right here at Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. If you weren't able to catch an episode, no worries. Just visit our website to find all the archived episodes of Look for the Good on Demand so you don't miss a thing. And remember, it's never too late to live your best story. For additional resources or to find out about how you can work with Carrie directly, visit CarrieRowan.com for more details. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.